0: Welcome to the Short Rod Show. You're talking with Ben. And you got Brett. Thanks for joining us again, everybody. We are back for our second season of, or second episode, sorry, of season two. Um, we're hanging out at the Short Rod Show office on a Sunday afternoon, having a good old time, talking about ice fishing.
1: Yeah, it's what? There, It's pretty cold outside, but sounds like we got a yep. warm up, which you knew that was coming. It's coming. It was bound to
0: happen. You know, normally in Iowa here, we're going to have days where it's 50, 60 degrees. Yesterday was... 65 degrees. Yep. So And windy. Yeah. A-F. Yeah, it was windy, blowing everything around. So uh, we've got a good show again for you guys today. Hopefully uh, you're following along with us, uh, listening on your favorite podcasting platform, or maybe you're watching us on YouTube too. Yep. Um, and checking us out there. But what are we talking about today, Brett?
1: Uh, we got a little, uh, at least here for the introduction, we've got an update from last episode on uh, uh that Bass Kang uh poor man shuttle that we had talked about the shuttle. you know we're not sponsored by any of this stuff but i just think it's cool technology and i think i'd like to get it out and people support you know just some guy interested in trying to get into the trying to make it happen for himself so i think anything we can do to help it out and hopefully it's a good product i mean
0: we'll get into it a little bit here
1: but uh also what we're going to talk about more today is we've got some listener questions so we're pretty excited about that we did the call out last week for listener questions yep. and we got a handful of them so we'll have a few of those to answer today uh probably do that here at the ep- end of the episode yep. um and then the bulk of our episode is going to be talking about early ice focused on gear uh, rather than locations at this point um early ice yeah gear tactics a little bit of safety because mm-hmm. um, that's always something you got to think about going in early
0: ice but Uh, yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, if you're, if you're new to ice fishing or you don't know where to start this, our goal would be to kind of get you in the right mindset of how to approach early ice. Yep. Uh, how that's different from late ice. How's that's, that's different from, um, you know, maybe midwinter where you're out in a permanent shack or you're, you know, different kinds of ice fishing that you're maybe not used to. So we'll talk about, uh, different ways to approach, approach the season here.
1: Yep. Yep. So we'll do a quick update here on that Bass Gang shuttle. So they released... The prices on what they're wanting to do with some of that stuff and looking a little deeper into their website, they got some cool things going on here. So they got a couple models of the shuttle, which you can kind of get a base model that is basically just a carrier for your Vexlar, right? mm-hmm. carrier for your uh uh fish finder. It's for fifty bucks. I mean Yep.
0: Yeah, fifty bucks for the regular and sixty five for the large. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. So that I mean you're getting this bare plastic, rugged eyes, I'm sure, yep, you know, shuttle to hold your electronics on.
1: Carrier stuff. I think that's
0: extremely I just think it's cool you can get something that's different than what the what it came with from the factory. Yep. You know, for the longest time a lot of the markham units had the, the plastic shuttle with the you know, the gear bag around it yeah. and the goofy kind of handles. And if you're holding it by the handle Suck. it'll fall out. Yeah, the the balance <laughs> was
1: yeah, it would make it want to tip forward yep. or backward and yeah, they just never they just didn't really work very good, but uh yep. with this and then they also have like the Mac Daddy version which is based like I had mentioned last episode is like the lithium shuttle, poor man's lithium shuttle version. Yep. It doesn't come with any batteries, but it comes with all the the hookups for lights and USBs and so switches that's that and
0: large power box shuttle it's called. Yeah,
1: 110 bucks for that. Um I mean that's that's not too bad I don't think for for what it comes with.
0: And, and that's cool. Like we talked about last week, you can use it with a drill adapter, a drill battery
1: adapter. Yep. Well, you got to buy the extra adapter.
0: Well, it's kind of like Legos, bucks. though.
1: Yeah. You can just keep adding to it. Yeah, they got all these accessories on their website Which also awesome. that I think is pretty cool where you buy the base model, and then you can accessorize it pretty much endlessly the way it's designed. Yep. Uh, really probably the only drawback that I see, and I don't know, talking with you before we started this, you weren't too concerned about it, but the fact that it's just 3D printed plastic and... Mm -hmm. fishing in negative zero degree weather that concerns me a little bit uh otherwise durability wise yeah
0: you're talking cracking parts yeah yeah
1: i mean i've ran plastic i've you know grew up on a farm and when it got real cold out your plastic buckets Mm -hmm. were just like using glass buckets i mean they'd break if you hit them wrong and just shatter so yep that's one thing that i do have a little bit of concern about with these but otherwise i think it's i think it's real cool especially yeah being able to get the drill battery adapter, put that on there, Yep. Uh, slide your battery in there. Now that they're not rated for Flexvolt, uh, and you, can, yeah, you it, know a little bit more about that than I do.
0: So uh, there is an issue if you guys are running Flexvolt batteries, um, you know, to get maybe get some more runtime or, or get some more amp hour capacity out on the ice. If you're not using it in a specific DeWalt tool, um, you can run into issues. So there's a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, cheaper adapters out there, and I run one for my my shelter and, and lights for that. Uh, but what we, what I found was there's a switching mechanism that switches it between 60 and 20 volt uh, mode. And those cheaper adapters, and I'm sure you know anything that you're going to find short of a DeWalt tool is yep. not going to have that. So that can cause your battery to run down if you leave it plugged it'll in. It'll still work. Yeah, I oh, mean, it'll work not, fine. It'll still yep. perform. It's just, it'll
1: run down faster.
0: Yep. Right. Yeah, and the issue I have is if you, say you run your lights in your shelter all day and you leave it plugged in and it had two ba- two bars of battery or one bar or whatever when you when you left it plugged in, a week later it's going to be stone yep. stone cold dead. And, Whether it's on or not. Yep, you're not going to be able to plug it in a charger yep. to charge your battery. So up. what
1: you're telling me is make sure you unplug it if you use it. Like mm-hmm. don't just plug it in and yep. then just shut your lights off and think you're okay. Make sure you pull that battery out of whatever socket that you're yep. using.
0: unplug it yep yep then then you should be good so but that's really cool they do milwaukee and dewalt adapters yeah i mean those are by far the most popular so i'd be interested to see how long that would work you know a, a standard like five amp 18 volt or 20 volt
1: yeah. battery well what if i hook them up in parallel run two of them yeah run two i, of I them, bet then you I got could double i don't know power. how that
0: um it looks like you'd be making your own power harness but you could sure do that
1: yeah but why can't i just run buy two, two of together them, run them
0: together duals I like it. I like hey, the way you're thinking. Now we're
1: looking at some re- real power out there. That
0: panoptics is going to need like four batteries. You might as well just start wiring yeah, them Yeah, well, together. I'll just
1: wire two Yeah, big 12-amp power batteries up to each other you and <laughs> run
0: with it. <laughs> That'd be slick. So, yeah, that's on BassKang.com with a K, K-H-A-N-G. Yeah, yeah check it out. They're pretty cool. It's kind of neat. So that was a cool find. Popped up on, on yeah, your Facebook a, and yeah, you showed it a random to a deal. In. Yep. Something a little bit different than <laughs> the mainstream stuff, which is cool. We like, yep. we like talking about stuff like that on yep. here. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's about it for our intro, but we're going to be back after <laughs> yeah. the break here. Uh, we'll talk about everything else uh, coming up next on...
1: The Short Rod Show. Hey, Ben. So I've got this buddy that's trying to start a small business, but he's having a real tough time with his digital footprint and just trying to figure all that out. Do you know anybody that could help him out?
0: Well, I think I do. I know uh, a couple cool guys at this company called Evergrow Marketing, and they really specialize in helping landscape and lawn care companies maximize their digital footprint and basically bring customers to them, help them get found on the Internet. Really? I mean, they'll work with any business. Um, They're really looking to expand. And if you tell them that Ben and Brett sent you from the the Short Rod Show, you can get 10% off your first order. Really cool.
1: If you're interested in the Evergrow Marketing team and what they have to offer, check them out on evergrowmarketing.com and tell them Ben and Brett from the Short Rod Show sent you.
0: You know, Brad, I was poking around on Facebook the other day, and I could just not find the Short Rod Show. What's the deal? Oh, you just got to punch us in on Google. What do you mean? We show up on Google already? Oh, yeah. The Evergrow team hooked us up. Holy cow. That's awesome. Yeah. Good deal. I'll try that now.
1: Yeah, right. You just punch in Short Rod Show, and we'll come up on our website, shortrodshow.com. It'll come up on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Awesome. So people can find us all
0: over now. Yeah, all over the internet. That's great. We're also on Instagram, too. I've been trying to keep up with that. Posting some cool pictures when we're out on the ice. You can check us out there, too.
1: Yeah. Sweet updates.
0: Awesome. Check us out, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us through the break there. Um, Today, we're talking about some early ice strategies. So, ways to approach early ice um, that hopefully will get you guys thinking about how early ice is different from any other time of the the ice season. Um, You know, when I think of early ice... I think of going out on a pond that no one's fished on since yep. uh, it froze up, and there's safe ice involved with going out on there. Of course, we you don't want to go out on sketchy ice that's not safe. Of course,
1: but that is usually your classic early ice. That's early deal.
0: ice. Yep, it's probably pretty clear. You're yep. looking right through it. Might sketchy out a little bit, um, but yeah, let's let's talk right off the Bat safety, Brett. What do you what do you bring with you early ice? Oh, or really any time in the season but what what's your focus early ice the first thing so i'm always ice.
1: bringing with me uh ice fishing especially early ice is a spud bar that's mm-hmm. that's always the number one thing number one to check ice number two to keep me out of the ice or mm-hmm. out of the water um, it's just yeah it's an invaluable tool yep
0: and sp- spud bar if you guys don't know what we're talking about go back to uh, last season we Basically, talked a whole episode of, of icing. It's safety. just a big
1: chipper. It's yep. like a chip bar that you just hit the ice with.
0: A lot of people learned what spud bars are. Very were.
1: simple tool. Very, yeah. Don't overthink it. Yep. Just use it.
0: Yep. Um, what are some other pieces of gear you take with you? Early ice, for sure.
1: Early ice. So, really, when I think early ice, I'm thinking uh, my mind goes right to ice conditions. So, what are the conditions of those? Ice? Is mm-hmm. it thick? How much variation is out there? So, the, the big thing you got to think about when you're going out on early ice is variation in ice thickness because it can sure. change pretty rapidly depending on flow and depending on how much snow has been put on the ice. If there's been any snow or what we run into here in Iowa is a lot of mm-hmm. time there'll be a little bit of drift snow out there that'll, it won't cover the whole pond or lake, but it'll just kind of drift in some areas. Yep. And I don't know, when you can see through the ice, you kind of feel safer walking on the snow because it feels like a floor, but in reality, that's more dangerous. Uh, cause it insulates the ice and then it doesn't get as thick as you'd want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so number two that I would make sure to bring is cleats. Mm-hmm. Uh, early ice, when you're, when you're thinking early ice, I'm not necessarily focused on getting to the exact spot that I want to get onto. I want to get onto a spot that I think can hold fish, but I want to get onto a spot that I think is safe mm-hmm. first and foremost. Yep. Um, which we'll do that. I mean, that's early ice. You're not necessarily trying to focus on some of those, those. I guess later ice locations or those deeper locations, fish can still be spread out pretty well all over the place, oh, yeah. yep. really still in their fall pattern um, a lot of times. So, uh, yeah, getting to some of that structure that you think is later season is not necessarily as important. So number one thing, yeah, getting in, getting on safe ice, number two, then maybe try to find a weed line, mm-hmm. something. You don't need to be in 30 foot of water or 15 foot of water. You can still find fish in yep. five, six, seven, eight feet.
0: Yeah, and around here, I mean, the weed lines are six, eight feet out. Not even know, that deep. Not even that.
1: Yeah. Yep. If they're there at all.
0: Yep. Um, but, yeah, so gear-wise, safety-wise, bring, you know, some ice picks, too. Yep. Uh, if you have a floating suit, floating ice suit, I mean, those work great. Extra peace of mind. Take a buddy with you, too. Um, yeah, that's pretty that, important. That goes overlooked sometimes, and I'm, we're both guilty of doing it. But Yep. Um, going out on the ice by yourself especially early ice, if you were to fall in, there's not a lot of ice around to support you. So nope. just having that person who can run and get help or have a rope on them, um, you know, something they can throw at you to, yep. to help pull you out. That Always have enormous. an extra
1: length of rope with you. Because yep. uh, I'd feel like the only wor- the only thing that's worse than falling in the ice yourself is being the bystander when someone falls in and then you can't oh, yeah. do anything to help them. Because yep. Yep. Um, then you're just standing there and you're just like, oh, shit, now what? Yep. Uh, where there, if you know you have an extra length of rope, uh, what I did was I modified my pull rope for my sled. It's basically just my throw rope now. I put two carabiners on the end, unlatch that. It's probably 25 foot long. Yep. I don't remember exactly how long I made it now. Uh, toss that out. Um, they can carabine it around themselves, help pull them out or whatever you need to do. But um, yeah, always have a plan.
0: Perfect. Yeah, definitely. So um, the other thing that we approach early ice that's a little bit differently or I guess definitely how i do it but i i try and stay light and stay mobile okay i'm normally i usually won't even take my sled out with me hmm. uh, sometimes i'll take my shelter but usually it's a backpack and my flasher and my auger
1: really yep see i'm the opposite yep i mean I'm. it's not like i'm bringing the house with me but uh weight and mobility is are not my number one focus early ice early ice number one focus is you, yeah getting to a spot that i know has safe ice and then I'm pretty much just camping out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I'm talking early ice, I mean I'm on early sketchy ice. Like, yeah, I do not want to deviate from the path yep. that I know that I made it out here on.
0: Yep, you walk in your same footprints. Yep,
1: I go to this exact spot that I know. I go, I find a spot that I know I can catch fish at, or that I've caught a fish, and then that's where I'm camping out. Yep, I'm not, I'm not, explo- I'm not doing that that exploratory okay. operation there early ice because yeah, you just don't know. Um, yep. And that, yeah, that kind of leaves you open to getting in trouble.
0: Dang. No, i yeah, I, I get you there.
1: Definitely. You don't want to be, you don't want to be that guy falling in the lake, but maybe there's a little difference in definition there where you're talking early ice and I'm talking early sketchy ice. <laughs>
0: no, I'm talking the same. We're no, we're on the same page. Cause I, you know, last year I, I was out a few times on real small ponds that yep. froze up first and it was a backpack and myself, a spud bar, flasher you know. But yeah, the, I mean, there's something to say August. with that. You
1: don't want to lose all your crap at the bottom of the lake when you mm-hmm. fall in. Yep,
0: that's true. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I thought about it. Um, but you really, usually early ice, it's not that cold out. No. I mean, you don't need to huddle up in your shelter, um, you know, and waste away yep. in there and crank the heater up and all that. So...
1: No, I wouldn't bother bringing a heater that early. Yep. But, yep. Um, I guess when I say that I'm not terribly worried about the weight at that point is because you're still looking at glare ice. Mm-hmm. You're not concerned about pulling a sled that's weighted down through six inches of snow. Yeah. Or that's, slush. That's a good point. Because, uh, you yeah, glare it, ice You'll glide is, right along.
0: Pull whatever you want yeah, out there. Yeah, you can there. pull whatever you want pull out there. Pull your permanent out there.
1: But I don't know about pulling the permanent, but uh, as far a, as pulling... As far as working out yourself, yep. you're not as... I'm not as concerned. Until you get to shore and it's only just grass.
0: <laughs> you don't have any snow well, to, yeah. <laughs> to pull anything.
1: Yeah, out. that's true. And then you can't get out there. Yep because <laughs> yep. you got no traction
0: yep exactly so yeah your ice cleats that that was a good point on that yep on that because i went a lot long time without having ice cleats yeah it's it way too long <laughs> you can
1: get a, you can get around if you're mindful without cleats but it's just so much easier because then you're not thinking about your footing you're thinking about other things yep it's just one less thing you got to think about
0: Yep, absolutely yeah having something that can grip in the ice and pull you around if you need to pull somebody else out yeah or pull around yep that means a lot then too Yep, you know, it exactly. Comes in handy, so awesome. So some other early ice strategies I guess for, with gear, um, you know, I'm not generally generally when I say I'm traveling light, I'm not bringing tip-ups with me. You know, you could get no. fish tip-ups.
1: I'm not generally bringing tip-ups with me really ever. But
0: I'm kind of a one pole, one hole, yeah. go at it, you know, like you yep. said, maneuver around to the spots you know they're safe ice and yep. maneuver back the same way you came. Yep. and have a good time and it's usually on ponds that are you know, way smaller than than others that might yep. still have open water on it or
1: yep. or lakes. Another I thing know. to mention when, when we were talking about uh, running your spud bar, look to see if someone else has been out there mm-hmm. and see if they've got a spud bar path, a spudded path. Don't just follow some random footprints if they don't have a, it'd be good to have that they have a spud. Oh, you yeah. can tell, you know, where they've chipped the ice away with mm-hmm. their spud bar. Try to follow that path if you can
0: you want to be the guy that people are following behind you, not you're just. Well, blindly, I mean, I'd rather follow, following at that point. I'd rather footprints. follow behind
1: someone else, but absolutely. Yep. Until you get to the spot where, uh, there's a big hole. Cause somebody fell in, but,
0: but yeah, just seeing footprints that could have been, I
1: don't mean anything. Three, four days ago. Yeah. That doesn't mean, anything. and
0: it got warm in between or, yep. you know, really what, what I've always had success doing is spudding my way out every time. Yep. You know, until it spread it's, your weight, until you see people driving their pickup, you know, all the way from shore, and yep. you're walking off a landing, something like that. No, then it's not as big a deal. But for what it's worth, it actually helps you get by. Helps you kind of see where you're going. Yep. I don't know it just gives well, you. Well, then early ice. I don't know if you don't even need.
1: The, you don't even need the auger. You just chip a hole with your spud bar. Yep. At that point. Yep. Too.
0: But. Yeah, you could do that. Don't even need your auger.
1: Yep. It's handy. Works out well. Yep. So yeah, like you said, travel light. Yep.
0: Yep, and yeah, don't even bother bringing a gas auger out. If you're going to do a gas auger, <laughs> just start chipping with a spud bar Yeah, for super early ice. Well, yeah. You're going to fire it up and go,
1: weep. If you can get it fired All the way up. through. It's been sitting, probably been sitting there with untreated gas all summer long.
0: We should do a little uh, gas engine maintenance episode <laughs> and talk about uh, making sure your auger's going to fire up, but most people don't even, I mean, that's not even a thing now. No. Gas augers are kind of going away. Don't even think about it. They've been going out for the last few years, so... Yeah. Hard to find one, except for old used ones that people are just getting rid of.
1: Yep. Yep. So, when we're talking early ice still, what... So, we found our spot. Okay. So, you get to the spot that you feel safe and comfortable. Yep. What are you doing? Are you just trying to pound that spot? Uh, I'm
0: I'm still fanning out, so I'll still do four or five holes and yep. bounce between those Yeah. and generally that'll increase your odds of success on a on a pond because you might be over some real nice cabbage on in one and some seaweed looking weeds in another and some over sand. a rock pile on another and some sand in another
1: within a span of you know 20 30 feet that's a heck of a pond you're fishing if you got that kind of diversity oh
0: yeah <laughs> yeah they're man-made and they know what they're doing <laughs> They're putting rocks in over here yep. and sanding over here and spots for weeds and Yeah, they're putting this Who structure knows? for you to fish. But yeah, <laughs> yep.
1: yep. Yeah, and specifically when I'm talking early thinking early ice fishing. Um I'm and when I'm thinking early early ice I have a few select ponds that I know are mm-hmm. fairly shallow that freeze up first every year. Yep. So those are the first ones I'm going to. And at that point when i'm able to fish those ones some of the other ponds that we'd normally fish are still open water even yep so uh yeah finding finding yourself an early ice spot that you know is always the same spot that freezes up first yep and then going from there finding your location uh probably a weed line at least that's usually what i shoot for early season is just the edge of the weeds i'm not really shooting for bottom structure i'm not shooting for Rock piles. I'm not looking for that. I'm still looking in that weed uh, area. But, but I'm generally fishing a fairly shallow pond. I'm not fishing a, you know, 40 foot deep lake. Yeah, exactly. I mean maximum. The one, the one pond that I know that I, that I know of that we fish here in town is like eight feet deep, mm-hmm. and has freaking Mac Daddy bluegills in it. But uh, that's because it weeds over all summer long. Yep. And you can't really fish it at all.
0: Yeah, and you don't see anyone fish it from July no. all the way. No, well you
1: could get a little bait through it. So what I'm doing is when I find that spot, so this, this particular pond that I'm thinking of has an inlet and an outlet kind of deal. It's kind of a drainage pond mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so you st- obviously you want to stay away from those points. Uh, don't walk on it. So look and identify, identify, <laughs> identify areas where you definitely don't want to go before you even get on yep, the ice. Yep. Number two, poke some holes around the shore. See what that looks like. A lot of times what you run into is the shore sucks because mm-hmm. it freezes and thaws daily. And then if you can get a couple feet out, then it's, you can get on it yep um so then when i say i'm i'm posting up is i'm drilling if i want the second i mark a fish i'm stopping if i'm on ice said i'm not terribly comfortable on uh yep I'm, I'm stopping there i'm drilling my hole and yeah if it's an evening deal and i want to and i brought the shack I'll, I'll drag the shack out there and i'll set up shoot i'll have lunch out there i'll have dinner out there oh yeah uh and usually i'm i i'm fishing fairly aggressively like as far as I'm not really running a dead stick sort of situation, it's it's almost yeah. all jig all yep. the time, and probably
0: just one rod. I mean, you're yeah. you're getting out getting out there, yep, throwing your best foot forward. You're using
1: your confidence baits. I haven't gotten any wax worms yet, so you got to keep jigging. Yep, you got to run something on that plastics. But, yep, plastics. Yep. yep, yeah, plastics usually really that early in the season. Plastics are usually kind of the name of the game. Yeah, at least for me, anyways.
0: Ben's running a four millimeter tungsten with a. Micro noogie on it.
1: Yep, probably in pink.
0: Yep, there you go. (laughs) Ninety percent of the early ice, probably in pink. Well, fish I've caught have been all your fish
1: have been on that. Yep, pink on pink. Yep, hard
0: to beat. (laughs) Just go with what works. Yep, yep. So yeah, early ice. We're talking before you're getting your four wheeler out, before you're getting your truck out there. I mean, early ice here in Iowa is mid December, late December.
1: Ah, uh, you'll catch a. You might be able January. to catch a week first. You'll catch a week or two, maybe early, and mm-hmm. then it's gonna thaw again. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it's not until January again. Yep, yep. That's one thing I've noticed, and one thing that gets a little annoying is when you, if you're following like a lot of those big time dudes, like you follow a lot of these guys that are pumping out, uh, like these pro fishermen and stuff like that, yep. or pro ice fishermen, is that when they're talking early ice, it's just the early ice period, like. It's like from the time it freezes up till, you know, a couple of weeks later, mm-hmm. where here in Iowa, it kind of ebb and flows. I mean, their version, what they would consider early ice might not happen until January, mid-January yep. here in Iowa. Yep. Um, and I would I would almost venture guess even that we really never, a, according to how those guys talk about it, the, I'm talking folks that are regularly fishing, We're North Dakota, to... they're fishing, yep. Devil's Lake, they're fishing, Leech Lake, they're fishing, Lake Gosh. That sort of stuff like the those. Kind of the Minneapolis, Real, that line north. The heart of the ice belt stuff. I would contest that we really never even get into those conditions mm-hmm. here in southern I- or in, in central Iowa. Even as far north as Clear Lake gets into more of those conditions than we do. Where I would say we're almost always in an, as far as their definition is in, I'd say we're almost always in an early ice situation here. Where we're never getting deeper than a foot of ice, hardly. Rare that we'd get thicker than a foot of ice. Yeah.
0: I wonder, um, you know, the time period that you're talking early ice versus mid, you know, late ice. Yeah. D- if that has something, like the fish behavior relates to it based on the amount of time that there's been ice covering the, yep, the pond. because then it's oxygen versus, levels. Yep, versus necessarily the depth. So yep. maybe we're talking mid-winter still happens here because the fish have been covered up by ice for a month, you know, two months.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh... Know. I don't know. I I just want to kind of convey that it's subjective. Is what I oh, say. Absolutely. Like yeah, it's not every, like a time year, period. It's yeah. not like oh February we're mid yep. we're mid ice here. We're on on these southern bodies of water. I would still say, that, at least to my definition, we're still kind of maybe in an early to mid early mm-hmm. mid ice range where we're not really having those oxygen problems unless it's been frozen and you're getting a pile of snow on top and you freeze sure. out or not freeze out, but you. You just lose oxygen and then you have a kill off, but then that, even that's a small pond that's doing that. Yep. Um, yeah. So you're not, when you, when you hear and you, and you read about some of that stuff here in these locations, when you're talking about mid and late ice seasons, well, late ice, we do get into the late ice, but some of that mid ice, we may not never, ever have that stuff. So when you read mm-hmm. about, Hey, sure. Mid ice seasons conditions. So short. This is what these fish are doing. That's definitely, that's may not necessarily be what fish are doing mm-hmm. here in Iowa. Um, where they're still kind of in an early ice pattern um, is what I would consider yep. consider happening.
0: That's what we're going to talk about this season. We'll be we'll be out there testing out and relating yep. uh kind of what we see to yep. the different patterns of the seasons and letting you guys know. Yep. Because yeah, there really isn't anybody doing that.
1: Yeah. Where they talk about, region. I know they talk about like kind of like a mid-season lull, like a February deal up there on like Leech Lake or something like that, where the oxygen levels get low and then your fish are not as active. Yep. where we don't have, I don't feel that we have that problem here. Number one is because we have, uh, not many of our lakes are natural. Mm-hmm. They always have a flow going in and out. We get enough freeze thaw that there's always, there's almost always fresh water coming back into that system. At least, couple every other every oh, couple yeah. weeks. We're never going yep a month or two without fresh water coming into the system like they do. They may go up north. Yep. Um, so I think that makes a big difference as you get it later in the ice later in the season. Um, kind of always look at, think about early ice situations yep. or how fish react. Anyways, I don't know if I explained that very well. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> no,
0: that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you you came at it from a different angle than what, what I came at it at. Yep. And that's perfect. That's what, that's what we're here to figure out and hash out. Yep. So that's good. And
1: that was really kind of an aha moment when I started thinking about that and realized mm-hmm. that uh, it, was, it was a couple of years ago where I started having that theory and thinking about you know, really, you know, when I read some of these articles, uh, from your, from your Jason Mitchells and from your Brad Hawthorns and from your, you know, in-depth outdoors guys and all those things, yep. you know, they're, they're, they're talking about real, real situations, but that's not necessarily the situation that I find myself in. Mm-hmm. And especially down here, you don't get that kind of press or people talking about it, at least in the mainstream kind of ice fishing stuff. If if yep. there is a mainstream anyways, but,
0: uh, we are the mainstream and there's it definitely has an effect
1: (laughs) there's (laughs) definitely something going on there the other thing i wanted to touch on too
0: um as far as early season gear is use the the early ice as time to test your gear and kind of get back in the groove Mm -hmm. make sure you're not missing things forgetting things uh you know you open your pocket and this is broke you know this is the time like when i think about early ice We're really kind of in test mode. We're getting out, okay, maybe trying out something new. Trying our new baits. And you're not that, hopefully you're not that far from home. If something bad happens, you're not on your big blowout trip of the year. Yep. um, You know, and ruining your trip because of some kind of equipment failure. So that's really where I try and fine tune my process to where I know where everything's at. And I have a, uh, I have it figured out to where I know I have my boomerang line scissors on my, you know left chest pocket clip and i got my bait puck in my left you know oh yeah you're pocket. still kind
1: of uh, you're kind of loosening the rust a little yep. bit yep getting things honed in it
0: yep so so that that's really a good early season strategy to think about it from the perspective of fine tuning your your setup and optimizing that yep. so every time you're going out you're getting you're tweaking it and making making it a little bit better uh, but make some mental notes when you get yep. out there um, you know maybe you don't like how your sled's set up or how your augers run in yep. or you need new blades in your auger or, because you i'll know, definitely that's...
1: tell you as the temperature drops yep. those problems will magnify yep because you'll just get more and more pissed off about absolutely this is not working not i have mention... to do a hundred pulls to pull this auger yeah that ain't gonna fly we got to figure this out <laughs> we ain't got because things that. react differently once it starts getting cold yep not to mention i mean retailers
0: run out of product Yep. routinely through the ice season. Yep. So the earlier you kind of get out there and see what you're going to need, yep. Or if something breaks, you can replace it right away. The better off you
1: are. Yep. 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 And this early ice season is a good period if you're if you're new to ice fishing, um, and you're just kind of wanting to test it out. This is a good period to get out and do it. Oh, absolutely. because um, you don't need that hardcore gear. You can get by with your regular bibs. You can get by with your regular snow yep. winter apparel. You don't need i. You don't necessarily need the ice fishing gear yet. Like your waterproof water resistant bibs and that sort of stuff because you don't have the snow and all that stuff on mm-hmm. the on the ice you're not getting all the water on the ice you don't have yep. all the water wicking up your bibs bib yep. uh, pant leg and getting you on wet so yep. and you can easily crack a hole open you don't even need an auger so if you're thinking about it you're in- interested in doing it you can go pick up a twenty dollar uh uh spud bar yep grab a thirty dollar ice rod and some jigs
0: Ten dollars, Schooley.
1: Go to get town, you right out there. Especially some of these local uh, urban ponds and stuff like that. You don't, you don't even necessarily need a flasher. I don't, my early ice pond that I fish, no Flash is no good, anyways, because it's too shallow. Yep.
0: So go back and listen to that episode. No flasher, no problem. Yeah, will I'm tell you terribly all, all the all the old Southern I, Iowa secrets. That is literally
1: probably our most informative podcast episode, and it is by <laughs> far the least viewed. Everyone is just there. People skip right over. Oh, I got a flasher. That oh, one's yeah. no good to yep. me. Yep. No, there. They're There's not so much info old in, old packed school. in that episode about how to find the fish without a flasher. And then if you have a flasher, boom, you're set
0: because then you can see the fish but too. But yeah, we're we're at the point where if we don't have a flasher, we're running our backup flasher. <laughs> like we're never without a flasher. But yeah. there, okay, if you're out on the lake and your flasher dies, there you go. There's some good at. Ep- yeah,
1: Maybe that's what we'll do one of these episodes when we're on the water here. Just or test our skills out? No flasher.
0: Oh my god. You're, you're
1: going to have a terrible time.
0: <laughs> no flasher. After Ben's we, got a problem. After you're running panoptics.
1: Well, yeah, we won't bring it. I know.
0: Man. Yeah, that'd be a good episode. We do a little true test of skill. Yep. 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 Match it. But yeah, if if there's any expert on that, you're the
1: expert on the no flasher game. I tried I mean, and I failed. To sum it up, Drop your bait to the bottom, give it three cranks up. Something's gonna bite it. <laughs> it's gotta it's gotta happen. <laughs> that's great.
0: Cool. Should we get in some listener questions? Yeah, let's
1: touch on some of those. So yeah, really appreciate the listener yeah. listener questions. I, we got I want to read this first one because that's that's pretty
0: yep. pretty uh, hilarious. So we have a question from uh one of our listeners here. Walleye Willie. I'm not sure how much he listens to our podcast, but we'll we'll see here. Yeah. He asks, how much bush light is too much bush light while ice fishing? Brett, I'll let you handle this. I think I know where this is going.
1: Um, I know Ben has a specific answer he would have for it, so I'm going to let him run with that one. Uh, My specific answer would be, uh, you can never have too much bush light. (laughs) Uh, Number one. Number two, it depends on how far away you are from home. Number three, okay, here's the biggest tip I got for bringing beer on the ice is dig, dig yourself or yep. drill, or what do you like to call it? I like to call it dig, and it bothers you that I call it digging holes. You drill holes. You drill don't, a hole. You don't
0: dig holes. You're not out there with a uh, shovel digging a freaking hole. Drilling a
1: hole. <laughs> and you just, so if you got a decent amount of ice, if you got maybe six, eight inches of ice, you drill yourself a beer hole. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you start drilling, and you stop before you get through the, through the bottom, um, just so that you just barely pierce a hole through the bottom of the yep. ice, and then it fills up with water. And you put your beer in there. Because then it won't freeze, number yep. one, even if it's outside. And number two, it keeps it cold. Perfect. But not too cold.
0: No, you don't want it too
1: cold. Yep, Definitely. So always drill yourself a beer, a beer hole.
0: Yep. Keep it cold.
1: Yep. Cool.
0: I'd say just leave it at home.
1: Yep. just Miller
0: Lite is all you need.
1: Miller Lite and maybe a coffee and you're good to go.
0: Casey's Coffee. How do you like their new logo, by the way? Sucks. Just old Casey's. I hate it. It's written in... Uh, they're kind of taking some a sort of page out of our our book. The little dumb, permanent marker, script. some sort
1: of dumb font. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I really like their old one. Casey's General Store, no more. Now just Casey's. Who is Casey?
0: I don't know. He was a guy, apparently. Pretty rich. But now. anyways, keep moving
1: <laughs> on that. That's that's not a subject that I want anyway, to pursue. All right,
0: that's just <laughs> just making mad. Um, another good question we got. When do you know when to switch bait? When do you know when to when, switch bait? When do you switch bait? So is there um, a specific bait? How do you change? Or
1: are we talking lure? What do you want? What do you want to do here? Like, uh, so when I think bait, I'd I like live to approach bait.
0: this from a broad perspective of just in general. When do you? When do you approach when it? When it's time to change bait?
1: I need you to define bait to me, quick, before I, I say anything. That. You tie in your line. So you're talking lure. I'm talking any. Yes. Because if it's you're saying broad. bait, I'm talking live bait. No, because that th- I'll answer the question either. Regardless, I just want go, you to define what go, bait to you means. Go real broad, everything. real broad. So you're talking lure. Yeah. When do you know to yeah. switch your lures? When you ain't or catching lure no fish. with
0: bait on it. So if you're going from a wax worm to a to a leech or to a.
1: Okay. So to we'll to start. A, you know. I'll start broad, and I'll I'll bring it in. There you go. So so when do I want to switch baits? Number one, if I ain't see if I'm not catching any fish, switch it.
0: Yeah, but how long? How long do you wait?
1: Uh, after the first fish. If a fish comes in, doesn't bite it. So you're, you're waiting switching.
0: waiting until you see a fish on your
1: flasher come up. No, with. not not necessarily. Keep going. Number one. So then number two, okay. if I've punched a handful of holes and I've gone a good bit of time where I know there should be fish in this area and I haven't had anything come into my lure or bait, I'm gonna go with lure. I'm switching lures, completely switching lures. Like if I'm running a tungsten okay. dropper jig, I'm completely switching to a spoon. I mean I'm going from one yep. s- uh, side of the spectrum to the other.
0: Okay, makes sense.
1: And then you start bringing it closer together. So so if I go from the from the jig to the spoon and now I'm starting to have fish come into me, but they're still not biting it. And then I know, all right, so they like that profile, but they're, they they you need to fine tune it a little bit more. So maybe a different color. So if I a have a wa- beta. well, my number one thing would be and this is if I have everything with me, I bring the whole arsenal with me. Like bait, live bait, everything. So then the next thing I'd do (laughs) is I'd I'd do something quick. Like if I was putting on waxworms, I'd go to a a minnow head. Because that's just a pop on, pop off sort of thing. And then if that continued to not work, then I would switch colors on on that specific spoon. If that didn't work, then I would switch to a different type of spoon. Mm -hmm. But still try to maintain that profile. Uh, Maybe it's just not fluttering in the water the way it wants to or something like that. Mm Uh, and then you just kind of work in from there. Um, how to know when to do it? That's just kind of a gut feeling, man. Just go uh, with your gut. That's—I yep. mean—that's not proven you. You'll wrong know. Before. I mean, if you're not catching fish, you know you need to do something different. Yep. Um, now, I would say it does get a little bit more difficult when you try to decide whether I should. If you don't, if you're coming to an area and you don't know that there's fish there, but you're trying to fish it. Cause that happens all the time mm-hmm. where I'm just drilling holes and I'm just randomly fishing. Then it's a little bit more of a feel thing. But yeah. if I know there's fish in the area, like I've marked them and they're just not coming to bite it, then I know automatic right away, boom, switch baits. Yep. But if I, I don't necessarily guarantee that I know there's fish in the area, uh, then maybe you grind it out a little bit with your confidence bait go switch holes, go change areas, go do something like that instead.
0: Yeah. The, for me, the confidence bait is key because, yep. um, I have, that's why I use that term before you went four or five. and <laughs> just leading me right into, yep. into the water, four or five baits where, you know, I'll catch something on, on one of those. And generally when we're fishing and tag teaming a spot, we're going to be fishing two totally different baits and trying to figure out, yeah. dial in what the fish want. So if Brett is on a, uh, uh, rattling flyer and he starts pounding the fish and I'm on a dropper jig and I don't have anything. I'm going to make that switch <laughs> Oh yeah, within the first two fish, like not the decoy crappie. We don't want to be switching. <laughs> yeah. Ben, you're the easily decoy fooled. Crappie. And I'm, I'll do better this year at it, but I have not <laughs> been good at that in the past where first crappie Brett catches, boom, I'm switching. And yep. then it just turns off. That was the decoy. Yeah. The decoy. And it turns out my original bait was probably the better Might choice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it's really running through the confidence baits. Um, uh, I don't know. It depends on the kind of fishing that you want to do though, too. Cause there's days where I'm just out to catch fish and there's days where I'm just out to get away and have a good time, enjoy time on the, have on, a beer on the ice. So yeah. those kind of days I might fish the same confidence bait the whole day. Yeah. But
1: that doesn't answer the question. When do I know when to switch the bait? It's, it's
0: super subject subjective. You never know. You never know, for sure.
1: No, you never know for sure. But I mean, you just gotta have a gut instinct. But yeah. you know, what kind of guidance would you give?
0: It depends on. I feel all like you're. I feel like uh, no, you're just bypassing the question. No, I'm giving different scenarios. I think you're just skipping it the depends. question. If, if you if you're in a tournament, I would say within if you see a fish and it comes up like you said and turns away from your bait,
1: I'd be switching. Yeah. Regular. So it was well well here it is. Here's why Ben's skirting the question is because he just fishes the pink nugget all day, every day. He really pink never switches noogie. never switches bait anyway. Why do you need anything? He else? just doesn't know when to switch because he never does switch. I got a whole tackle box and only <laughs> use one thing.
0: <laughs> that's that's an exaggeration, but but really Brett's not afraid to change baits. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a little more hesitant to change baits, but it depends.
1: One thing that helps a lot is carrying multiple rods with you. Yes. And having them already tied up. Mentally, it's like a mental thing of I just don't want to tie. I got my gloves on. It's cold mm-hmm. out. Everything. I just don't want to tie that knot. Yep. That knot is such a mental barrier. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like I had to, a couple years back. I had to specifically tell myself this year, I am not going to be afraid to just retie. Take the time. Retie. Just retie Uh, just and that has yourself that. Yep. That has increased my yeah, fish catching true. tenfold. Yep. Because rather than oh, I just don't want to do that, so I bring. I mean, I still run all the schoolies, but now I got four or five schoolies. Like I'm tied up with uh, not very different baits, but the yeah usually are the opposite end of the spectrum. But then there's a couple yep. of color changes in there also, so then I don't have to worry about uh, necessarily always tying. But then you're yep. like, well, I want to change this and that and the other and uh, yeah, that Absolutely. mental block of changing baits sometimes really deters people and don't let it do it.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and and don't be afraid to try new things throw out something random yep. you know though we kind of we talk a lot about confidence baits but you
1: know how did they get to be your confidence bait you threw
0: something one time that was strange yep. and you ended up so last
1: fish. year i got that specific situation where we ran that those Widowmaker calamities yep like it was it i described it last year it looked like a bottle cap mm-hmm. like you took a bottle cap you bent it over a jig hook yep yeah i got one right here that's Great. what it looked like And then you filled that little space in over the bent over with some lead or something like that. Well, yeah, they got some cool paint, on and it makes it kind of flutter. So it has kind of the presentation or the horizontal presentation of a jig, but it has some flutter to it, Mm -hmm. and just looks like a wild dumbass bait. Uh, Tied it up, the sec the first drop I had on that sucker. Well, here's the knot thing also. First drop I had on that sucker. Boom! Fish comes in, bites it, takes off. Not sucked. <laughs> broke off. <freaking laughs> not boom, Not Trying to tie the knot, but it Gone. was not a good knot. Never use the ba- never used that lure before because I always thought it was stupid. And we were to the point where I'm like, all right, we gotta start throwing everything at it. Whatever. Tied yep. that on, dropped it. Fish came screaming right in, took it, broke the knot, <laughs> of course. And I was like and you knew it was the knot was broken because the end of the end of the line was kind of like curly cued yep. rather than a fresh break. Yep. So you know it pulled through the knot. Yep. And I was like, God dang it. Man, that sucks. Yep. Nothing worse than just lo- losing a lure like that. Because you didn't tie it. Didn't tie. Yeah. Didn't well, tie. there is one thing that's worse, and I've had it where the eyelet breaks off. The eyelet on oh on the, the eyelet on the, the spoon lure. on a gotcha. spoon broke. Yep. At a fish on the hole because he got cut up on the bottom of the hole. Eyelet broke off. Yep. I I popped up and on the end of the line was just the the ring of the eyelet. And I was like, son of a bitch, I'm never buying these again. <laughs> never buying <laughs> no this whole kidding. company again. Now you know what not to buy. Mm-hmm. My
0: goodness. How about one more question here, yep. Brett? Uh, one that's pretty interesting here. This, uh, this listener wants to hear about what kind of ice fishing stuff not to buy.
1: What not to buy. So we
0: talk a lot about what to buy, but was there anything you were disappointed in? Did we, did we buy, did you buy something in recently that you're disappointed
1: in? I mean, I'm fairly cheap, so I don't buy a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Some ice line. Up. I've, I've been, yeah. I've been disappointed in line. That's probably my number one thing is when I get disappointed in line with a lot of breaks and stuff like that. Um, especially when you get into that light line, I feel like there's some, there's some opportunity for some poor quality there. Uh, specifically I've ran into some problems with some of that. I know, you know, the second you name a brand or anything like that, someone's like, Oh, that's all I run. I love it. Yada, yada, yada. But don't say suffix. No, I'm going to say that bionic (laughs) that bion that (laughs) Northland bionic, I I don't know exactly, but that bionic ice line, I've had some not great experiences with that. Um, just break offs and when you're running two three four pound tests i mean and i'm I'm not talking like fish are breaking it off like i go to cinch up the knot and it breaks yep you go to do you yeah that sort of stuff or yep. you go to you know you're testing your drag and the line breaks off and then that sort of deal and you're just like son of a gun this stuff's junk can't win uh so yeah that's probably my the the something that comes to my mind right away is yep. some ice line yep. so be careful understand or i'd say buy a couple different spools of some different stuff and just test yeah. it out.
0: And we need to have a whole, a whole episode online. Yeah, too. I already
1: got I got it in my book. All right. To do I an episode online. Coming, coming up this season. So it'll be coming up here shortly while we're still talking about gear is we'll line, <laughs> brand, and diameter, and weight or size. Talk
0: about how uh, big a Braid fans we are. Yeah. That's
1: basically it, all we use. Buy it up.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. I For me, really, the, the main thing that sticks out... It, when you go to ice shows, like there's all kinds of keys type stuff in there. That's yeah, just but that's what I love about the ice show. And like it seems like a good idea at the time, and it's 10 bucks. So, all there right, we'll try it. it out. Yep. Do you remember? Maybe I went. Do you remember the beam bender? The little thing that clips on your transducer and like. <laughs> I, moves I remember your transducer seeing it. out? Yeah, at so a you can scan angle? out. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. I remember seeing it.
0: I still have it. I don't think I've ever used it. Well, that I've doesn't never, mean that it was a bad buy. You just didn't use I've it. I've never... Yeah, but I've never found a time where I was like, eh, I need to see what's over there without swing, just swinging my transducer just and, yeah. and seeing it. You know, I'm yeah. not going to get it out and wrap it around my transducer cord and check it out. The beam bender. The beam yeah, bender. I do remember that. I did get a good koozie out of it, though.
1: So, Ooh, nice. That
0: part nice. was good. And then the other thing I thought about was all the different attachments uh, for the buddy heaters for cooking stuff.
1: Oh, gosh, Yeah.
0: The little, like, metal grates that you stick over it, um, you know, you're, like, grilling grilled cheese over it and dripping cheese down into your buddy heater. Yep. And, or you get the squirter broth that squirts right into the br- exactly. buddy heater. yeah. And just making a mess all over. I don't know. I get it, you know, trying to do a purpose <laughs> things. or are... <laughs> You gonna make it?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, man.
0: Uh, that beer went... Oh, my God. <laughs> that beer went down the wrong hole. Oh, jeez. So have to edit that out. Yes, yeah, something like something like that. Where it's just kind of gimmicky stuff. Where it's a good idea, but when you're at the show, it looks like a really good idea. Well, and it just looks a, cool. They have like a complete staged, you know, prototype there. Yep. Where they're cooking something
1: perfect on it, and then you get it on, out out on the lake, and yeah, it's just not practical. Not good. Or it takes you two hours to cook something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of that, I remember. I mean, I've seen a few YouTube videos where people are using that. They're trying to fry fish on it. Mm -hmm. And you see them put the fish in the oil and there's just no bubbling. And you're just like, ugh. Like, it's just like that fish is just straight up soaking all that oil right now. Like, they try to do a catch and cook on the ice. And you're just like, barf. That's That's going to be straight oil that you're eating on that thing. And then they're like, oh, it's so good. And I'm like, you have been eating shitty fish if you think that is so good. Like,
0: that's how you light your whole shelter on fire. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like all it takes is one extra little deal flipping off. Yeah, little oil dripping down, whatever.
1: And it's gone. Mm. Not good. I do like have you've seen the new Buddy heaters, those Flex Buddy yeah, heaters I and haven't they got the attachment much, so you can put the gas line and hook up a grill to it, like an actual gas grill.
0: Hook up a grill to your heater?
1: Well, so it's just it's just hooking up basically it's not running off the, the heater part has nothing it just has the oh, attachment. Okay. Uh, the regulator in it to hook up a gas line to run it to a Buddy heater grill. Oh, okay. Rather than trying to grill oh, off of a heater. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of neat. I that's think. cool.
0: I my one experience grilling, like straight grilling on the ice, was when it was less than zero degrees. Yep. And it was almost impossible to keep from burning the outside of whatever food you threw on the grill hmm. without the ins- so cold. I mean, the inside was not cooking at all. Yeah. It's just you lose so much heat. Yep. Um, that way, so it's just
1: it's if you want to cook on the ice, feel. buy something actually made for cooking. Yeah, like my little propane. Yeah. Cookie. What was that? It's like bucks, fifteen bucks at 15 Walmart. Fifteen bucks in a little
0: th- th- threads on a propane cylinder. Yeah, has a little burner you light. Um, yeah, we do fish fries on that. No problem. Yeah,
1: it's not worth trying to mess with trying to cook no. it off your buddy heater. Yeah. Nope, not at all. Second so, like, you say that, people are like, oh, I love cooking on that thing. I cook my family food on my family. Well, let dinner us on know. That thing. Yeah,
0: let us know what what's the best thing to cook on a buddy heater. How are you guys doing it and making it work? Because I just don't see that turn out. Shit. Well. No. And I don't then even have the buddy heater. Every every time you use your buddy heater, it smells like a hot dog. <laughs> when you fire it up. I don't know. I don't get it.
1: But. Now what was that go back to that question? Oh, don't what what, oh, what do you What were we junk? disappointed in? What are you disappointed yep. in? Um yep. What else would I put in there? I feel I, any other
0: things. I feel like legitimate ice fishing companies don't disappoint very much. No. I mean, there's there's such a limited audience anyway, yep. a limited market where, you know, the Markums, the Otters, the Eskimos, the, I don't know, name some other brands of the world, when they come out with a product, yep. like they're not just throwing it out there after six months of testing. Yep. You know, when you see all these ads for all this equipment, they were testing it at least a year before, if not a couple years before. Well,
1: and it's tough to say that it was, sometimes it was junk because i i firmly believe that there's a time and place for everything it's just whether you as a purchaser experience that time and place Mm -hmm. like i think there's something i mean
0: so you're saying the buddy heater attachments are before their time and now the the flex heater takes that
1: maybe there's something in there Mm maybe there maybe well no not that specific (laughs) situation those things suck the tinfoil racks. But when you're talking about, like, those major companies, they're coming out with things that there's yeah. a time and place for them. Yep. They've done their market research. There's the, It's good. It's yep. not just, oh, hey, this would be cool. Yep. No.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you there. Cool. Well, guys, uh, this episode sure has been a lot of fun, um, you know, answering your questions. Keep those coming. Yeah. Definitely like to uh, get some fan interaction, and it's it gets us thinking in uh, some different ways that makes the show even more fun. So. Yep. Um, it's not the same old, same old stuff. So, um, looking forward to some more questions, tag us on Facebook, throw us out there, uh, on an email or, you know, send it to us any way you can. But, um, we'll have another episode next week. Yep.
1: Uh, I I did want to comment, uh, again, quick, send us, uh, if you have any recommendations or if you want to fish with the short rod show, um, if you're within six hours of Des Moines, um, and you got an early ice. Uh, possibility or place that you like to go fishing, uh, let us know. Yep. Shoot us a message. Uh, Absolutely. We'd love to come fishing with you.
0: That'd be great. I mean, uh, you know, we really haven't got to do that much no. the past few years. De- so. December fishing is like
1: <laughs> non-existent. We'll be ready
0: to get out, out and about first couple weeks. Of so, December. yeah, if
1: you missed the first episode, what we're looking for is do some traveling, do some early ice fishing sometime around that first two to three weeks of December here before we mm-hmm. get into Christmas and holidays and all that. um and yeah if you got a spot you want to fish through at rod show you want to get on the podcast uh obviously we'll do some conversation uh definitely won't give away your spot that's for sure yeah we're not Um, about that yeah we'll (laughs) just we just want to chat and get out and do some fishing
0: yeah awesome good deal well let us know guys uh thanks for listening guys we appreciate it so we'll catch you next week on the short rod show